I want to remind you, uh, we're, as I mentioned at the beginning here, we're in a series, and um, what I'd like to do is to kind of set it in its context. I find that very helpful, and I think it's important as we come to this passage before us today that I will read in just a moment to, uh, to understand where it falls. Uh, at the end of chapter 10, uh, we run into a very similar event that occurred in chapter 8. In chapter 8 and in chapter 10, we have the healing of two blind men. And in between is a lot of information about faith and discipleship. It's a unit. And so with those healings as bookends in between, we learn what Mark wants us to pick up about faith and discipleship. And in fact, as we look at this uh, miracle today, we learn even more. We're going to read about a man named Bartimaeus, um, and Bartimaeus is the only healing in the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who is named. That by itself elevates not Bartimaeus as any more important than any others, but the fact that he's named calls attention to it. Mark wants us to zero in and to pick up and to begin to see what this man saw who had no eyes better and clearer than those who did. It's a picture of faith, and we're going to learn at the end that Jesus commends Bartimaeus for his faith. So the question driving this sermon today is, what is, what kind of faith does Jesus commend? What is it, the kind of faith that pleases him? That's what's going on. And we're going to look at it and ask God to teach us and to see what the blind man saw before he could see. Let's, uh, if you would, give your attention to the reading of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning with verse 46 through verse 52. This is God's Word. And they came to Jericho, and as he, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And he immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Father, now would you teach us? Would you open our eyes to see what we do not see? Let your written word now be heard by each of us, 
Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we may not refuse your calling or ignore your voice. May we be taught by you through your powerful word to the glory of your holy name. Amen. What we're going to find as we ask that question, what is it the kind of faith that Jesus commends? We're going to see in this passage, and maybe you heard it even as it was read, that it's a faith that is born in desperation. It's a faith that is proven in persistence. And it's a faith that centers on a person. We're going to walk through those and then ask a question, how do we get a hold of that? How do we get a hold of that, get that into our lives? Before we do, it's important, I want to set the scene. That's what the very first opening verses of this do, this passage does. And the passage begins, our passage today begins with the words, and they came to Jericho. Now you can hear there's a narrative that we're jumping into, right? And they came to Jericho. Well, a few verses earlier we read, they were on the road going to Jerusalem. That's how last week's episode began. They were on the road going to Jerusalem... And they came to Jericho. Same road, same destination, same disciples, a bit confused, but eager to follow and to see how this story was going to play out. Uh, uh, And they came to Jericho. Jericho was 18 to 20 miles northeast of Jerusalem, downhill. So to go to Jerusalem, you've heard this probably, they were going up to Jerusalem They were going up 20 torturous miles and 3,500 feet. So I found a hike difficulty calculator. And to give you an idea, when you plug those variables in, you end up with a hike that is borderline, very difficult, and extreme. This was not a walk in the park. Uh, Which explains maybe why there was a great crowd that had assembled into Jericho as a a staging ground for the final assault. Uh, It's a crowded, it's Passover. (laughs) That's why they are on the road to Jerusalem. But it wasn't just Jesus and the twelve and those that were following along. It was everybody. Passover was the annual feast. And you were on your way to Jerusalem, and Jericho was a staging ground for the rest of the journey uphill. And so you can imagine a great crowd filling their water bottles, redistributing the the weight in their packs, and making sure they had everybody together, because this was a dangerous road too, by the way. Because it was so traveled all year long, it it was known as the way of the blood because of the blood spilt by robbers. So they're getting ready for the final assault. So there's a bottleneck of sorts in Jerusalem as they prepare for this last stage, last arduous stage uphill. And as they do, as they prepare, the literary camera lens zooms in on a man sitting by the side of the road. It's unlikely that he was the only blind man sitting on the side of the road outside the city gates because that was prime real estate. That was prime real estate for someone who had to beg in order to survive. 
a noisy crowd. And there's blind Bartimaeus, we read verse 46. A blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, sitting by the roadside, sidelined, marginalized, just outside the city gate. A blind man, you see, was not only an unproductive member of society, dependent upon the generosity or the guilt offerings of others. He was dependent on everybody for everything. He was hopeless, you see, unless someone comes to his aid, unless someone breaks into his life. You've seen that man. You've seen those men and who will, who will park themselves on urban sidewalks with their back up against an office building. Sometimes they're on the corner, but corners are dangerous. In urban settings, they're usually not on the corner. They're a little bit further down, so they're not trampled on. But it's not just, I would propose to you, a man sitting on an urban sidewalk the person in this story lives everywhere. He or she lives in suburban homes in Williamson County. You see, what we learn, biblically speaking, is the blindness that marks this man's life is a blindness that extends to anyone without a personal relationship a thriving, vital relationship with Christ. You may be this man. And we're going to see and learn something from a man who is desperate in his condition because the first mark of the faith that Jesus commends is a faith born in desperation. Do you remember in the Gospel of John when Jesus asked the disciples, people are leaving. People have been following. There's some hard teaching and people start to wander off. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, what about you? Are you going to leave too? I think most of my life when I've read that passage and, I, and I've picked up on their answer, Lord, where else would we go? Most of the time I've taken that as a declaration of fidelity and conviction, and allegiance. Where else would we go? But think back to last week when we were considering James and John and as confused as they were at this stage of the game, one week to go, as Ben reminded us last week, one week before the entry into Jerusalem, there is lost and befuddled and confused. Now I'm rethinking what does it mean? Where else would we go? Maybe it's more resignation. Well, we don't have any other options, Jesus. We thought about it. Maybe it's a resignation that has marked their devotion to now instead of a desperation that we see in Bartimaeus. You see, resignation resides in my head. That's where I resolve and resign myself to certain matters. But desperation doesn't stay there, does it? 
desperation that we see in this man is something that, that maybe starts in my head when I begin to understand my predicament, but then it descends into the core of who I am. And while the disciples may at one time have been resigned to the reality of Jesus' claims, Bartimaeus is desperate. You know, we don't like to be desperate. But until we get there, it may be that the best that we are doing is sipping tepid broth instead of feasting on the bread of life. One commentator says this, Bartimaeus' desperation is a doorway to faith. And I would propose to you that, that, a, that the faith that Jesus commends is one that's born in that kind of desperation. It's born in desperation, which explains what we read as the story unfolds. All we've done so far is talk about his condition. We're about to hear his words that come out of that desperation. Because the faith that Jesus commends is born in desperation, but it's proven in persistence. You probably picked that up a little bit just to, just to hear the story. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Oh, he began to, that's when he began to cry out. It's not that he cried out. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the people around him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So twice... He's shouting even louder. He goes, that's all he can do is shout. He can't do anything else in this moment, in this matter, but to shout louder. This is a noisy crowd, remember? And somehow his voice rises above the din of noise all around him. Like the children before that we considered a few weeks ago, a socially insignificant blind man is considered an interruption. So the crowd says, shut up. They were sternly telling him, as how another translation puts it. You know, the crowd was right that he had nothing to offer Jesus, but in effect, it was they who were blind. Because he was beginning to see something that they had not. This persistence... Uh, reminds us a bit of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis. Remember that story where Jacob takes hold of the angel and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's a little bit of what's going on here. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. I will not let you go. This is my opportunity <laughs> that I cannot let this pass by. Alistair Begg says, you will not see Christ as a reality until you see him as a necessity. And I would stretch that a bit for us today just to think about that for ourselves. If Christ in your own life now or in the past or in the future seems a little bit unreal... It, because, it may be because that you have considered him to be unnecessary. 
You will not see Christ as a reality until you see him as a necessity. There's a persistence that marks true, genuine faith. This is a, this is a bold humility. You remember the disciples just up the road were brash with their request. That's Kevin DeYoung's summary of what happened just a few uh, miles down the road when the, this, the, the James and John were asked to remember the very same question. And their request was not for mercy, it was for position. For some of us, we have a humility that never turns bold. But what we see in Bartimaeus is a humility that is bold and persistent, undeterred. Undeterred like we are so easily deterred by the crowd, by what other people think. Bartimaeus doesn't let us, doesn't leave us there. Undeterred by what the crowd thinks. Pursuing with a bold humility, persistence. That's what we see. So the faith that Jesus commends is born in desperation. It's proven in persistence. But it ultimately centers on a person. You cannot miss this. We dare not miss this. You see, persistence and desperation don't really deliver you. They don't... They don't they don't address the needs that, that have made you desperate and persistent. But there is a person who does. You've heard it said, I hope, over the years, if you've been around, you've heard us try to emphasize repeatedly in different ways, it's not the quality of your faith, it's the object of your faith that makes the difference. That's really the ultimate distinction and importance. It's not what kind of faith do I have and how, since, how, de, how fully developed is my faith. With the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, Jesus says, you move mountains. It's, it's not the quality, it's qual- the quality of the faith, it's the object. And that's what we see here. Now it's curious that Jesus does commend a kind of faith here. <laughs> Faith that is born in desperation. Faith that is persistent. He says, that's it. That's the kind of faith that, I, that pleases me. But it's only until it latches on to a person that it becomes faith at all. Mark wants us to see two, two features of the person that that faith centers on. The first is Christ's messianic glory. And if you look at the verse in, in, in his own words, son of David, that is a, that is a ticket to that place. <laughs> That's a ticket to messianic glory. Son of David comes right out of the promise that, that God made with David in 2 Samuel 7 that yours will be a kingdom that will endure forever. I establish a covenant with you. And now Bartimaeus is ascribing to Jesus of Nazareth messianic glory, son of David. We don't know. We're not told from the story, the narrative. Mark doesn't tell us 
how Bartimaeus knew that. How he was able to see that through blind eyes. He most likely had heard of Jesus of Nazareth. It may be that he knew something of the Old Testament story and the promise to David. It was just a few chapters ago in chapter 8 where Peter stumbles upon this, basically, when asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? And he had thought about it, and he had concluded, you are the Messiah. That was Jesus one-on-one with Peter and with the twelve likely surrounding him. That was a private declaration, you are the Messiah. But Bartimaeus is the one. He is the one. This is the first public declaration that Jesus of Nazareth is the son of David, the Messiah for which we have longed and waited and prayed. Bartimaeus is leading the congregation in a confession. (laughs) You are the Messiah. It is you. Is there any wonder then that Jesus hears that and turns to him? Actually, his cry stopped him in his tracks. And we begin to see not only the messianic glory, Mark wants us to see the merciful nature of Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Actually, the word really means Jesus stood. Bartimaeus' cry, the blind beggar's cry, stopped the Messiah in his tracks. And if you can connect the dots to your own story, so does your cry. Your cry for help. Your cry for mercy. Your desperate, persistent cry to the Son of David to have mercy on you stops the living God in his tracks. They called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Jesus allowed the cry of the poor, powerless person to stop him in his tracks because Jesus cares for the outcast and the destitute. The merciful Messiah welcomes the least. And that's good news because that's who we are. We're all the least. We're all as desperate as Bartimaeus. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. What a, just a spontaneous act of joy and anticipation. And so Jesus looks at him and says, here's that question. And by the way, Mark seems to want us to connect these two stories. The very same question you heard last week. What do you want me to do for you? Just a few miles back, James and John say, well, we want to sit at your right side and your left. That question, what do you want me to do for you, you see, can expose selfish aspiration like James and John, or it can reveal genuine desperation 
What do you want me to do for you? Jesus' question to Bartimaeus is designed. He's got a design in mind, and it's to strengthen Bartimaeus' faith by encouraging him to express it. When the words come out of my mouth, I want to recover my sight. Let me, allow, enable me. Would, I want to recover my sight. Puts it in stark terms for the Messiah to respond to. You see, Bartimaeus needed Jesus to treat him better than he deserved. And that's just what Jesus did. Because that's what Jesus does. In verse 52, he said, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus identifies the cry. He, he, he links the words, Son of David, have mercy on me with faith. That's what Jesus is pointing to. Your faith, your, your cry, your, your confession, your profession, your, your urgent plea. Jesus calls faith. And that's a faith that I commend. When he says, your faith has made you well, uh, the word is the Greek word sozo. It's where we get the word salvation. Your faith, your faith is what, what saves you. Oh, wait, not quite. You see, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he will do, where he will accomplish, where he will die and, re- and rise Thus saving those. But it is by faith. That faith is an instrument, is a way of understanding that word. So it's an instrument by which we take hold of the finished work of Christ. That work is not yet finished. It is about to happen. But Jesus sees in this man someone who trusts in and looks to the promised Messiah who will grant mercy and healing and forgiveness the world to come breaking into this one. Jesus, when Jesus says, your faith has healed you, Jesus knows that what is coming is the ultimate answer to, to Bart's cry. And that's where he's going. And you will notice, maybe you will notice, unlike the last healing of a blind man a few chapters earlier, he doesn't tell Bartimaeus to be quiet. Do you remember that? Repeatedly up until now, Jesus has performed a miracle and he says, don't tell anybody. The reason is he had more to do and here he's about to do it. He's only days away or 18 to 20 miles uphill away from what he will do. But he is on the verge of Jerusalem and his own death and resurrection. The death and resurrection that he's talked about three times in this block of material. And the disciples never got it. Now with 18 miles to go, Jesus says, okay, follow me. Follow me to the cross. Where, his, where my messianic vocation must be fulfilled. So how do we get this into our lives? 
That's Bartimaeus. Here we are. Well, I would propose to you, as I mentioned earlier, that we need to see what the blind man saw before he could see. We need to see, like Bartimaeus, our our desperate need. We rarely see that. We've never seen the dark side of our dark heart. God in His mercy does not reveal to us the depth of our sin. And sometimes it's like we're standing before a muddy pond and we look into our heart and we see some of it, but we don't see the bottom. But there was one man who seemed to. John Dunn seemed to see that. This is Old English, so bear with Old English. But I think you can follow John Dunn's hymn to God the Father. Wilt thou forgive that sin where I begun, which was my sin, though it were done before? Wilt thou forgive that sin through which I run and do run still, though still I do deplore? When thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have more. Wilt thou forgive that sin which I have won others to sin and made my sin their door? Wilt thou forgive that sin which I did shun a year or two, but wallowed in a score? When thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have more. I have a sin of fear that when I have spun my last thread, I shall perish on the shore. But swear by thyself, Dunn writes, that at my death, thy son, S-O-N, shall shine as he shines now and heretofore, and having done that, thou hast done, I fear no more. Do you get what he's saying? When you forgive my sin, there's more. There's, there's a depth to the darkness of my heart that, I, that I've yet to perceive, but I know it's down there, and I know it's coming. And you can hear John Dunn on the verge of desperation until he sees the gospel clearly and sees that there will be a day when Christ, shining as He shines now, dealing with the fullness and the complete redemption of a broken, rebellious, sinful heart. Having done that, when Christ finishes that work, you are done, and I fear no more. God in His mercy doesn't show us the dark, the, the dark underside of our rebellious heart, but He shows us enough to be as desperate as Bartimaeus. And when we get there, we get to a component of the faith that Jesus commends. That's my son. That's my Bart. That's my P. 
people gather together who see their need and who, who, who come to me that are, that are raising the banner of saying, here I am. Son of David, have mercy on me. We begin to see his desperation. We begin, we begin to be a little more relentless in our pursuit of redemption and forgiveness. And we begin to center on the, the hope that is the merciful, glorious Messiah. And when that happens, when we see him as the promised Messiah, the only one who meets our greatest need, and to recognize there's no other way to come to Jesus but on the basis of our need and his adequacy to meet it fully, we can see why Sinclair Ferguson said, no miracle of this gospel more vividly illustrates the promise God has given through the prophet Joel when he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bartimaeus is a window into that promise. But it's a window for you to crawl through. To crawl through that window with Bartimaeus. To call on the name of the Lord who does save. For the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. To see the hope that is yours in Christ. You know, a little bit earlier in the other, the other Testament reading, the New Testament reading, we read from Peter. And we, and we ran across these words. Forgotten from being cleansed from former sins leaves you so nearsighted that you're blind. A people so nearsighted that they are blind because they've forgotten what Jesus has done to cleanse them from their former sins. How often do you need to remember what Christ has done for you? Could I borrow a phrase from Francis Schaeffer to suggest that it's moment by moment? <laughs> oh, rarely do we do that. I need to have my memory renewed weekly, daily, moment by moment. It's what happens at this table. Remembering what Christ has done for us in, in Christ his finished work is what moves us from nearsighted to full-sighted. To be able to see again, and maybe for the first time, what the blind man saw before he could see. Ferguson also writes, He who stops for those who call on his name, he still stops for those who call on his name and listens to our prayers for help. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. He, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he rewards those who seek him. And songwriter Michael Card puts it like this. There is a joy in the journey. A light we can love on the way. There is a wonder and wildness to life and freedom for those who obey. All those who seek it shall find it, a pardon for all who believe, hope for the hopeless and sight for the blind. That's the journey that faith 
leads you into. One final thing. Did you notice the end of that story where Jesus says, go on your way? Your faith has healed you. Go on your way. Did you notice where Bartimaeus went? He followed him. He didn't go with whatever he might have had been going on in his past. He followed Jesus. And remember where Jesus is going. He is going uphill to an entry into Jerusalem where he will do what Messiahs do. They die and they rise. Oh, but there's just one. <laughs> Jesus' called a f- call was something that Bartimaeus heard. And Bartimaeus' way was reoriented because his way became Jesus' way. He followed him to the cross. We don't know how that part of the story ends. We're not told. But somewhere between Jericho and Jerusalem, it's very likely that Bartimaeus followed, maybe was a part of that crowd in that entry that we're going to come to in just a few, well, next week. (laughs) The entry into Jerusalem. But he went as a new man who could see things that he had not seen before. And now he could see because the world to come where all that is broken in this world is healed and remedied and repaired has already begun in the life of a man named Bartimaeus. And you. The world to come has already begun. That redemptive work of Christ has broken out in you. And you may not yet be as desperate or as persistent as Bartimaeus was. But if you have seen the messianic glory and the merciful character of Jesus of Nazareth, you are in that story. And he is yours. And you are his. Father, would you help us to see what we only see when you open our eyes? Lord, thank you that you, are, that you stop in your tracks to hear the cry of those who look to you. Thank you for that promise that you reward those who seek you. And help us to know something of that wonder and wildness and freedom that belongs to those who obey, who belong to you, who have hope and joy and new sight. It's in Christ's name, our Redeemer, Son of David, that we pray. Amen.